you will, this morning, take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, as we will be looking at the resurrection reality. But first, let me share with you, there's a story that is told In 1799, the armies of Napoleon had appeared on the heights above the town of Feldkirch, Austria, if I pronounced that right. And it was Easter Day, and the town council hastily called together a meeting in which they would discuss their actions and what should be done. But after much discussion, the dean of the church rose and he said, he said, my brothers, it is Easter Day, and we have been reckoning in our own strength, and that fails. So let us now turn to God. Let us ring the bells. And let us have church as usual. Let us leave the matter in God's hand. And so the church rang the bells as loudly as they could in honor of Christ and his resurrection, calling all the saints to come and worship the Lord. And they did. The streets were filled with the saints coming to church that morning. But the French heard the sudden ringing of the bells, and they were alarmed and they were frightened, for they had concluded that the Austrian army had arrived, and so they fled in haste before the bells had ceased ringing, and not a Frenchman was to be seen. And so, beloved, it is my hope this morning that as you and I gather in this place to worship, that we will worship loudly, and that we will ring with the worship of Christ in this sanctuary, that all fear and doubt may may leave and flee from us and nothing is left but the very thing of which we are about to read which is Christ who comes and says to those that he loves the most his people peace be with you and so let us read these words this morning in Luke chapter 20 24 beginning in verse 36 this is right after the resurrection right after Christ has appeared to to many And the word has gotten around, and the disciples are huddled in a room, fearful for their lives. And notice what happens. Beginning verse 36, it says, While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst, and he said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do your doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it before them. And now he said to them, These are my words which I have spoke to you while I was with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning with Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And may Christ bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. 
Beloved, it is my hope this morning that you and I will understand and embrace the reality of the resurrection today. When we talk about reality, what we mean is that by the definition, it means the quality or the state of being real. It is something that is true. It is something that is that, that has happened. It is the state of, of things that as they actually exist. They actually are. The reality is, is that you are really in this place today. The, the reality is, is that today, that, that today is April 4th. That is, it is the reality of things, something that is real. And so here we find in the text that the resurrection is not hearsay, which is what they thought. They were, they were huddled together and they were talking about these, well, well so-and-so, you know, heard, said they saw Jesus, the tomb is empty, and, and so they were wondering what's going on, and then Christ appears showing them that these are not just stories that are being told, passed around. This is not gossip at the water cooler, but this is a reality. Christ has risen. So the resurrection has taken place. The tomb is now empty, and certain people are now testifying of their encounter with Christ. Yet these disciples are not living within the reality. These disciples are huddled in a room, troubled in their heart, lacking peace and fearful. And then Christ reveals himself. And from that moment on, you need to know that everything changes. That what was, what was going on in the hearts of those disciples and what was going on in their lives, what was going on with, their, with, with the mission and the, everything that, that had been leading up to this, everything is about to change for them. Why? Because they see the risen Savior. And the reality of the resurrection sets in and everything changes. FBC, listen to me this morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a real event with real present day effects. It, it affects us in what you believe. It, it affects you in how you live. It, it affects you in how you talk. and It, it affects you in how you die. It affects you after you die, and, and, the, and for all eternity, it affects your earthly priorities, it affects everything. The resurrection of Christ has ushered in a new reality for all who have placed their faith in Christ. A reality that you and I, that I would suggest that we need to embrace this morning and so I want you to look at this with me this morning. There are three things that I think that, uh, that the reality of the resurrection gives to us. Three things that it ushers in for you and, and, and I this morning. That it ushers in real peace and real faith and real, a real mission. And so if you will, notice with me first real peace. Look at it again in verse 36. It says, while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and he said to them, peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see that I have. We see first the real peace this morning. Because as we come to this text, Jesus has not only risen, but he has presented himself to several individuals. He's presented himself to Mary Magdalene. He's presented himself to a group of women. He's presented himself to these, to, to these two followers, 
Cleopas and an unnamed disciple on the road to Emmaus. And so, you know, one would think that after the tomb being empty, right, and, and, and people seeing Christ and they're coming to Peter and they're coming to John and they're going, I saw him. He's alive. He's not dead, right? That they would be rejoicing in this room. One would think that they would be in the room having a praise service and praying to the Lord, giving thanks that that the Messiah died for the sins of the world and that he rose from the grave. Yet that's not the scene. In fact, what you find here is that these apostles minus Thomas are huddled in a room, fearful and doubting the testimonies of the resurrection, doubting what was taking place by when the when that stone was rolled away and their hearts are troubled. And we ask the question, well, what is troubling them? And John gives us the same story here, but he adds a few things. And we see that in John chapter 20, he gives us the reason for their fear. In verse 19, he says that the doors were shut. That the disciples were in the room. The disciples were not only shut; they were it was locked for fear of the Jews. The disciples were fearing their own death. If they killed Christ, they will come for us, and they will get us, and we will be tortured. We will suffer greatly, and we will die. But a question must be asked here, and that is the question of why. Why are you fearful of your own death? Why are you fearful that they're going to come for you? Did Christ not tell you that this is what was going to take place? We know in Matthew chapter 20 and many other places throughout the four Gospels that Christ told them of what would happen. Matthew 20, 18. He says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged, and they will crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. Over and over and over again, Christ told them, This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. But don't worry, because I'm coming back. Don't, don't worry, the grave will not hold me. And so he, he told them, and, and yet they did not believe, yet they did not understand. And so therefore they did not expect a resurrected Savior, which is what robbed them of their peace in this moment. In this most trying moment of their life, they were robbed of peace and their hearts were troubled and they were in a state of fear, confronted with the possibility of their own death while they mourned the death of the one that they had loved. Yet it will not stay this way. Because we know that when the reality of the resurrection sets in and they see Christ with their own eye and they behold His hands and His feet when they see Him eating the fish, when they, when they realize this is not a ghost, that this is, this is a physical body, that Christ has come back in a physical body, a glorified body, they now realize that everything changes. And when the Holy Spirit comes down and they receive c- complete understanding, beloved, they will no longer, don't miss this, From this moment out, from now to the time that they all die, they will never again huddle in a room fearful for their life. You don't see that in Acts. In Acts, you see them huddled in a room praying and waiting for the Spirit to fall. But but from this moment on until now, never again will these men be troubled. Never again will these men be lacking peace. Never will they be fearful. Why? Because the reality of the resurrection brings forth to you and to I real peace. The disciples were fearful because they were not expecting a risen Savior. 
And thus they were not expecting their own resurrection. For isn't that what the Scriptures teach? Isn't that what Christ has taught us? Did He not tell them that, that, that He is the vine and they are the branches and that He is in them and they in He and so forth He goes, so forth will they? Is this not what Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20-23 that Christ is the first fruits that He had to die first and be resurrected but you and I are the harvest we follow later beloved and so like Christ we ourselves will die but we will be resurrected in a glorified body beloved the resurrection ushers in a new reality it ushers in a reality where you and I can have real peace and real joy in spite of real suffering and real pain you say brother Brian but how How in the world could we ever have that? Because, beloved, we are guaranteed our own resurrection like Christ. That when we embrace Christ as Lord and Savior, we are in Him as He is in us. Because He lives, we too shall live. And this again is the reason why in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul also wrote these words. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning? Beloved, you can have peace today. That's why I prayed just a few moments ago that we have been reminded of our our own mortality. That, beloved, as we are reminded every day of our life, whether it be COVID or anything else, flu, that you and I are frail individuals. I know everybody's COVID has been the thing, and now we're facing the yellow death of pollen. (sighs) We are reminded of our own frailties. But in Christ and His resurrection, beloved, you and I can have peace. Much like the 15-year-old Christian girl who was suddenly cast upon a bed of suffering, completely paralyzed, blinded, and only weeks, if not, or months away from death. And there in that bed, she heard the doctor saying to her family that she has seen the best days of her life. Oh, the poor child. But in a proclamation of joy and peace that surpasses all understanding, she said to the doctor, No, sir, I have not. For my best days are yet to come, for I will one day stand before the king and I will see him in his beauty. Or in 19, I believe it was 1973, the Ugandan pastor who was told that if he preached the gospel, he would suffer death, who held on Easter morning, beloved, an evangelism rally where he preached the gospel to thousands. But as he walked back to his own church, he was followed by secret police, and there they busted into the room with five rifles pointed into his face, and they told him, they said, if you have any last words, then save them today. And as he sat there shaking, as he thought of his wife, as he thought of his daughter, he then, in a a moment of great peace and courage because of the resurrection reality, he looks and he says, do what you must, for the word of God says that in Christ I am already dead. 
that, that my real life is hidden in God himself. And it is not my life that is in danger, but it is your life. I am alive in the risen Lord. You are dead in your sins. May he spare you from eternal destruction. How? How does a man say that in that moment? How, how, does, a, how does a young girl in the, in the midst of her suffering say that? Because it is the reality for every believer, beloved, that because Christ has risen from the grave, so shall we. And so, FBC, friends and family, I say to you this morning that you and I can have peace in spite of our own mortality. That this morning I say to you that peace that will allow you to live faithfully in spite of persecution, and it will come. It will come. It is coming. There are I saw this week, Good Friday service was shut down in London. They were having Good Friday service. They met all COVID requirements, but the police deemed it too many people. So they literally stepped into the pulpit and told everyone to go home or you will be persecuted. It's happening in Canada. It's happening all around the world. It's happening even in our own country where we, where we are seeing these things where, where that is going to come. Against the believers, we have been mandated by God to meet, to gather, to worship. So where does my peace come from? It comes from the resurrection reality, beloved, that Christ has risen from the grave. It's peace in spite of, that you can live a faithful life in spite of cancer, in spite of sickness, beloved. That no matter what may come, no matter what illness may come, no matter, no matter whether it be that, that, that it attacks our mind or it attacks our body or, or, or it attacks our emotions, we live in depression. Whatever it is that we are dealing with, beloved, here's the beauty of this. That in spite of the physical shortcomings that you and I have, there is a peace that we can live in because of the reality of Christ. He has overcome physical suffering. He has overcome death. And so shall we. Is that you this morning? Or maybe this morning we're all still living in the fear of COVID. They love the, the resurrection of Christ says to you and I that you can have peace that allows you to live faithfully to the mandates of Christ, the mandates of God in spite of worldwide pandemics. This is the reason why we have taken down signs and why we are moving forward. Because we believe, beloved, that, it is, that, that God is faithful to us and we are to be faithful to Him. And so it is time to live in the reality of the resurrection and let the world see the gospel of Jesus Christ who gave His life and defeated death and rose from the grave. Can I ask you this morning that whatever your fear and whatever your, that has troubled your heart, that whatever it is about this life that troubles you, beloved, that you would look to Christ, fall at his feet, and let death be swallowed up in victory. But I would even say, secondly, that the resurrection also brings forth a real faith. Notice verse 44. He says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer, rise again from the dead on the third day. And so the second thing I want you to see, beloved, is the reality of the resurrection gives a deeper faith. It gives us real faith. It leads us to it. Take notice again, uh, or actually before, on the road to Emmaus in verse 21. Notice what was said. 
These individuals said to Christ, we were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. Understand that the disciples and all of Israel was looking for a revolutionary. They, they, they were looking for a political leader, an earthly king. And this is what they were waiting for. And so when he dies and he is, he is placed into the tomb, that hope falls. That hope fails them because, because a, a political leader, a revolutionary, does not rise from the grave. This is what they had expected. But in verse 44 and 45, Christ explains that the Old Testament was always pointing to a resurrected Savior. In verse 44, we see that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. This means the totality of the Old Testament. This means everything. And so we did this on Wednesday night. We went through a core seminar study on, on a summary, looking at a survey of every book of the Old Testament. And it was very interesting for people to, to come up to me and talk to me afterwards because we were able to show them where in every book of the Old Testament, Christ is the theme of the book and it is being pointed to, He's being foreshadowed. Over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament are fulfilled by Christ pointing to Him. We see these types of Christ throughout the, the Old Testament where, where people and things were foreshadowing the coming of one greater than them, the Messiah. We see it with Moses who was this leader, this revolutionary who comes in and he frees his people from slavery and from bondage and oppression and he leads them out. But, but he was never the Messiah. He was foreshadowing one, but he was never the Messiah. Why? Because Moses could not keep the law perfectly. He was a sinner. But not only that, what happened to Moses? But Moses died. Moses died and went into the grave, never to come out again. Not, not until Christ comes back. His body is placed in the, in the grave, in the ground. And so we understand that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. That Christ is the greater Moses. Why? Because he keeps the law perfectly. And when Jesus, when they put him in the grave, it could not hold him. Jesus is not a revolutionary. And I believe this may be the greatest struggle that we are facing today. This idea that Christ has come to somehow set us free from political wrongdoing and national sins, beloved. That's, that's, not, that's not the gospel. It's never been the gospel. It never will be the gospel. Does it affect some of those things? Yes. But the gospel of Jesus Christ does not proclaim him to be a man who revolutionizes the world. No. Verse 45 and 46, he tells us what he is. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. The word open means to, it means to, 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 to open completely without hindrance. And you see it throughout the entire chapter. He opens their mind. The tomb was open. They opened their mouths. They opened, uh, they opened the scriptures. They opened their lips. Understand, they opened the heavens as we see him ascending back. That when Christ opens something, it is never to be closed again. It is much like a mountain with no tunnel through and you use dynamite or explosives and you blow a hole through, never to be closed again. It is much like a, a barren woman whose womb is closed and by God's grace he opens and therefore she has no hindrance to bring children. The reality of the resurrection, beloved, brings clarity and understanding to the scriptures which brings us into saving faith. And what's amazing is, is even in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to this. They, I don't, they didn't understand it completely, but Job himself says, With my own eyes I shall see my Redeemer. The reality of the resurrection, beloved, gives me real understanding, leading me into real faith. 
And so you must understand this morning that without the resurrection, there is no gospel. For those who do three circles, right? You remember Brother Trey saying you can't leave out the resurrection. Because if you leave out the resurrection, there is, there is no gospel. Why? Because there is no hope in a dead man. And this is why it's killing me. It's why it burdens my heart that we're seeing pastors today who, who in, a, in, a, in a desire to see political and social change, focus more on, the, on Christ as a revolutionary than on one who died and rose from the grave. There is no gospel without the resurrection. There is no faith. There is no salvation without it. Let me show you what I mean. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Let me, let me just read some of these verses. I want you to hear this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to this uh, course of this world. Notice what he says, you're dead. You're spiritually dead in your sins. And he says, but God, having, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Don't miss that. You were spiritually dead before Christ. No hope of resurrection, no hope of, of being risen, no hope of heaven, nothing but judgment under God. Lost, condemned. But notice what he says. But even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ. How were we who were dead in sins and trespasses raised to life? But in the reality of the resurrection. How are we who are dead in sin, lost and under the judgment of God, raised to life and saved? but by being united to the one who was raised from the dead. How can we be united to Christ? How do I get to share in his resurrection, not only physically, but how do I get to share in his resurrection spiritually, beloved, with my soul? Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, believe what? What do I believe? Paul finishes out, believe that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And so in other words, you are, if you are lost today and you are under the judgment of God, then believe that Christ rose from the, from the dead. Confess your sins before him. Believe that he is not some man, some political leader, but that he is, that he is Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so therefore, you come to him recognizing your sin, recognizing your condemnation, recognizing that you are dead in your, in your soul, that you are dead in your sins. And you believe that Christ rose you shall be saved. And so this morning, whether this is your first time to ever walk into these doors, beloved, please don't walk out of them ignoring and rejecting this wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. That the one who rose from the dead brings spiritual resurrection to those who are lost and under judgment. 
Whether it's your first time or whether maybe this is your, your thousandth or ten thousandth time to ever be in here. You grew up in this church. You were, even if your, your name is on the roll, but you know that, Christ, that your religion in Jesus has been nothing more than just political or, or just the way you were raised or whatever the case. It is not salvation of the soul. You have not been risen in Christ. Whether it is your first or whether it is you've been here all your life, beloved, hear me this morning. Christ can raise you from the dead. Repent. Come this morning and repent. Call upon Christ that he may save you and redeem you. And I would even want to speak to the Christian this morning and say this, that maybe this morning you say, Brother Brian, I have been saved. I have believed in the resurrection, but I thought that I needed to move on to greater things and other things, whatever the case may be. I have not been living in the reality of the resurrection. I want to deepen my faith like these disciples. I want to understand greater that I may grow, beloved, than live in the reality of the resurrection by coming to Christ, focusing on Christ, not as a man, but as a Savior who defeated death and the grave. And let him deepen your faith. Call out to him in this. But I would say thirdly to you this morning, we also not only have real peace and real faith, but we have a real mission. Do not miss verse 46 through 49. He says, To them, thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning with Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The resurrection does not just give us real peace and real faith. But beloved, it ushers in a present day mission. Christ now says to the apostles, With this new insight, you're not to keep it to yourself. Instead, you are going to be my witnesses, and you're going to take it into all the world, to all nations, to all people, and you're going to start right here with Jerusalem. Beloved, don't miss that word witness. It's used 29 times throughout the book of, of Acts, which, by the way, the author is Luke. And so Luke says here, when he says witness, he, he, it's very significant that the point that he's wanting to get across. A witness is someone who tells or describes to someone else what they've seen or what they've heard or what they've experienced. It's what they know. And so, so you are Christ's witnesses that if you have been born again and you, have, and you have been united to Christ, you are one who is to go and live on mission for Christ, telling the world what you know, what you've experienced, what you, what's come to life for you. You say, Brother Brian, what do I know? What do I know? Well, beloved, why are we here? Easter Sunday, right? And by the way, We do this every Sunday for the very same reason. Dead on Friday. Alive on Sunday. That's what we know. Christ willingly laid his life down on Friday for the sins of the world, beloved. Rising in power and in victory on Sunday. And so the reality of the resurrection, beloved, is, a risen, is that a risen Savior means a new priority has risen for you. The Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. FBC, this is the top priority. This is the mission. If Christ was still in the grave, then all of you here this morning could do whatever you wanted and it would be fine. But Christ is not in the grave. Christ is alive. And so therefore, you and I must go and tell the world. 
We've been commanded to go tell the world. And not only that, beloved, you should desire to go tell the world. J.C. Ryle once said that if you love Christ, never be ashamed to let others see it and know and speak of it. Witness for him and live for him. The things that we enjoy and the things that we love, we share, beloved. We want. This is the reason why you take. This is the reason why you take pictures and put them on Facebook. There's things that 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 you know that bring pleasure to your heart and joy to your heart. You want everyone to see it. You want everyone to experience it. We've been given a mission, beloved, to go and tell the world of the greatest joy that lives within us, and not to be as one who would hold it and hide it. It is said. Of a man's name who was very popular in violin music, Luigi Torriso, who played the violin as a hobby. Never could play, never was really good, but he loved the music of the violin. And he set out on his mission to collect as many as he could. So when he died, it was said that they found 246 violins all crammed in his little house. They were never played. Could you imagine that his obsession prevented these instruments from bringing pleasure and inspiration, being used by, by musicians and being heard by music lovers around the world? These were, not, these were not cheap violins. Many of them were very expensive violins, very well-made violins, and he kept them to himself. As Christians, beloved, we have a message that makes the melodies of heaven flood our souls. We have a message that brings life to those who are dead. And God has given us a mandate, a mandate far greater than any mandate that would come from a government or would come from men on this earth to go and tell the world that Christ died on Friday and rose on Sunday. Go and tell. Tell your family members today. Tell them of Christ who loved them so much that He laid His life. Tell them of God who loved them and gave His only Son. Go and tell your neighbors. Bring them into your home and sit them at your table and tell them of the One who can change their life. Tell your friends, tell your co-workers why you live with peace in this world. Tell them about your faith so that they may have peace and faith. Tell the world, join the association, join the church mission, go overseas. Whatever the case may be, beloved, you have been given a mission. It is the reality of a resurrection, a, com- a mandate, a commandment by God to tell all the world of the greatness and the reality of Christ that He rose from the dead. This would be the greatest tragedy this morning. It is said that, that the British minister, W. Sankster, due to his disease, that he lost his voice and he lost his mobility, but he was still able to write. This is back in the 1950s. And, but as he got to the point where he was weeks away from dying, he had completely lost the ability to walk. He had completely lost the ability to, to, to talk. But he was still able to write. And so he picks up a pen just a few weeks before his death, and he begins to write a letter to his daughter on Easter morning. And these were some of the words that he said. It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. Could you imagine? Do you remember last year? Stuck in your home, wanting to gather with your faith family and be able to proclaim together as a church, be able to gather together and sing and song. And for us to say to the world, Christ is risen and we couldn't. Could you imagine not even having the voice to say that? How it would tug and hurt your heart? But he wrote this. 
But it is far more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout, He is risen. Beloved, how terrible it would be for us not to shout this morning, He is risen. But it is a greater tragedy to not live in the reality of the resurrection of Christ where we have peace, where we have faith, and where we are on mission. That would be the greatest tragedy on Easter Sunday that you not live in the reality of which has happened to you. Christ is alive. So go and act like it. Go and live it. Go and speak it. Go and live in peace. Real peace that no matter what you struggle with and no matter the fear that is in you, beloved, go and live in the peace. Come and seek peace here at FBC. Seek peace, not just from the Savior, but from a faith family that we may walk with one another, that we may pray with one another, we may live with one another in this reality where we are living at peace with one another no matter the circumstances that we may endure. Come to Christ and live in peace. Live with real faith. If you are lost and convicted, I I implore you, I beg upon you, come this morning and repent of your sins and call upon Christ to save you. Believe that He is a risen Savior. And not only is He a risen Savior, He's an ascended Savior, and He's made a promise that He's going to come back one day. Find faith this morning in this Christ. Repent and believe. And beloved, Shout out to the world that he has risen by living on mission. Are you without purpose or maybe instead you are investing in worldly business, busyness that never satisfies your soul? Then embrace the mission and the reality of the resurrection and invest in telling the world of Christ and start right here in your Jerusalem. This is your Jerusalem. Jonesboro, Louisiana. Or for family who came, wherever you're at, where you live is your Jerusalem. And may we shout to the top of our lungs. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Let's pray.